Hello, everybody, and welcome today to the first ever You'll Never Talk Alone podcast. I'm your co-host for today, Greg, and I'm here with... Inga. And today we're going to be talking about the Villa game, previewing the Real Madrid game, and talking about, you know, the rest of the Premier League and how that affects the top four race. So I feel like to start off with, we should go with, you know, obviously the big talking points of the Villa game was, you know, the VAR decision with Jota. Personally... I just, I, I just don't see a point for VAR anymore. Like I just feel like it, it's just it's come to a point now where the, ridic- the, the 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 decisions are so ridiculous, and they're just it's coming to a point where you 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 just you don't you're not clearly offside. It's literally just oh you're like this much offside, and you you know the tiniest margin, not even visible by the the naked eye, you're offside, and it's just like it's just what it just kills the game. It, it for me, it just kills the momentum and it just you know kills the whole feel. That celebration that when Bobby scored, I was made up for him, and it was just taken away over what not even a millimeter. No cap, it 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 has gone ridiculous. Like initially, I was like, you know, it's a good idea. It, it, it's a good concept as it is. Yeah, I mean, you look at how they it's used in cricket, how it's used in rugby, and it it really does you know make the game more fair. But I think we're starting to push it when we get to, like, the shirt hanging off. Yeah. And that's what put a, puts a player offside because that's what gets really irritating. I mean, obviously, if it's going your way, you're like, whoo. But, like, on the general thing, it, it does suck. It does suck. And as I said, it is a good, um, what you might call it, it's a good concept. It just needs to be implemented better the people who are doing it do not know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I agree. Look, because I, with with VAR, like, you just, you can, this is just, like, offside, like like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just say it's quite clearly offside. The van of Jota's body is offside. The linesman doesn't give it. The ref goes to VAR, disallows it. That's, that's, that's fair. That's a fair decision that VAR has made correctly. But now, if you if you use that same thing where the same principle where the the linesman hasn't given anything, but Jota's, you know, is it, it they measured from his elbow, so it weren't even like you know, the 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 what's it called the um the the badge the Premier League badge it was from his elbow. So yeah. if they're using fine mar like not even fine margins but like you know proper minuscule margins, then I feel like it's come to a point now where the game's just too robotic. You know, what I also found really stupid about that was if you look at the angle that they were looking at to see when Trent hit the ball to Jota, you couldn't see when his foot hit the ball oh, because yeah. there was a player in front of the ball. So yeah. now it gets to a whole other thing where these guys are guessing now when he hit yeah. the ball. Mm. I, I think in cases like that, we should just get the benefit of the doubt because it's dumb. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Look, as I said before, um. When you've got, especially with camera angles, like you know, camera angles, as we all know, can be very deceiving at times. You know, when you've got a camera angle from that side, it may look a little bit different if it was like, you know, maybe the complete mirrored place from behind. You know what I'm saying? So if you're seeing, so you could see the the goal that we scored, like you know, from that angle, it would look. Jota may look onside, or it might be, it might look more offside. You know what I'm saying? The camera angles, especially for VAR, they 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 really you know, it's really hard to make precise calls, especially if you want to be like how they are in the Prem, like very precise with camera angles where 
you know, it's all slanted and the straight line is a little bit diagonal because if you need to make it parallel to the lines of the pitch, it just it makes it a whole lot difficult. If you're going to have, you know, VAR implemented to this, like, ex- like to this extent, to this extreme where we're doing even the finest of margins, we need sufficient cameras. And I know it's going to be very expensive, but my idea is if we are in, as a football league in this nation, going to take VAR like uh, to that extreme margin if we're going to take offside to that extreme margin and we need consistent cameras every like meter or so so we can get the finest angle so it does it makes yeah. you know it makes offsides because look if you've got a camera which is all the way up in the sky and it's looking at you know and it's got like a you can see the whole pitch you can't use that to determine an offside can you because you need to use you know diagonals to make it parallel and it just makes the whole thing just look so deceased. Uh, what's it called? The uh, decisive. So, because I've seen with Jotters, somebody on Twitter that I've seen, you know, I'll, I'll put a picture of it up of it now. If, you, if you're listening to it on Spotify, then you can't see it, sadly. But if if you look at this picture, you can clearly see that there's a box and it's parallel to the line of the defender. But if you look at Jotters, it's slightly at an angle to what Jotters' line is. And it's like, if that's how, like, if that's how much, even that slightest bit is making it seem like he's offside when he's not, then someone, someone needs to change about VAR. You know? No, 100%. 100%, I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, enough of VAR. We've had enough of VAR. I can't be asked for VAR anymore. Yeah. No. Next talking point we've got here is Sadio Mane. Now, what are your thoughts on him? Because personally, I... I love the guy, man. I, I just honestly, I part of me is thinking this is just a different form, and a part of me is thinking, oh yeah, this might actually, be, this might actually be like signs of him being finished, like, you know, declining. I don't want to think he's declining, but I, you know, as you've seen from performances this season, he's really been low, below par. It's a sticky one. It's a sticky one, and it's not like when you look at, for example, when Bobby doesn't score. And people are now slandering him for his lack of goals and all that jazz. If you look at Bob, there are other things he'll do well. He'll hold the ball yeah. up. He'll find the right passes. He'll move nicely to uh, fool the defense and all that jazz. But when it comes to money, when he's shit, he is dog shit. <laughs> like yeah. dribbling straight into defenders, mi- missing obvious passes that you know mm. anyone else would see, and all that jazz. And, Missing searches as well, like against Chelsea, that was horrendous. Mm. But yeah, um, I do think I do. I want to believe it's a blip in form. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, many players have had like dips for an entire season, like, and then uh, didn't you have back. COVID? Didn't you have COVID at one point? I actually cannot I, remember because I, I, I think I think I remember seeing a lot on Twitter about him having like you know still feeling the long effects of COVID. So I was just thinking maybe you know it is that. And he's still feeling, but when I when I watch him, at you know he looks he looks fit. He looks you know he looks like a you know the athlete. I don't I don't get how something like that's affecting his decision making, you know, or his like footwork. Do you know what I mean? Like I I'll get it if it affected his fatigue, his stamina, his fitness. But the fact is, he's lasting ninety minutes, so I don't think he's you know feeling the effects, the long term <laughs> effects of COVID per se. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, a mental type of thing, or it's a thing because we don't have fans anymore. 
you know, you he's just obviously not the same person. Like he's not as sharp as he used to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Obviously, but yeah. Also, go on, go on. Also, now you can continue. Okay, obviously not having fans. Right, I'm going to move on to a whole Okay, so obviously not having fans has really, you know, been a bad, a, a, a bad, you know, bang for everybody, hasn't it? Like, everybody is really struggling with our fans, but I feel like, especially us, like, we've relied on fans now for, the, for this whole clock era. The whole clock era, the fans have been, you know, essentially a 12th man. Imagine Barcelona without fans, it probably wouldn't have happened. Dortmund without the fans probably wouldn't have happened. All these iconic moments, these, you know, especially leading up to the league title. All these comebacks that we did when we were 1-0 down, it, just wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened without the fans. You know what I mean? And I feel like without the fans, the players definitely feel, especially Mane, feel probably mentally drained, especially after the charge last season. I feel physically drained. And I feel like it's all like building up now and it's all coming to like a... It's all hitting them all at once, especially with Mane. No, 100%, I hear you. And you wouldn't be crazy to say that we have been affected the most by the lack of fans because, mm. as you said, they are our 12th men. I don't think there is a single team in the Premier League that has fans that affect the team as much as ours do. I mean, mm. if you look at Arteta's statement when he was still a player, he was like, now when you when you in Anfield, it's a cauldron. Like, mm. You feel stuck. The, 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 the fans are on you. And uh, I do feel like we're missing that because even when the players were down, you know, the fans would yeah, the pick fans up their voice. Yeah. Like, I remember terrible performances from last season. Like, honestly, horrendous performances, but we still managed to, you know, we still managed to get the three points because the I fans, they were, always, they were always behind us. They were, we, you know, they were always behind the boys as fans of the stadium at Anfield or away, wherever it was. We always got behind them, even when we played terrible. You know, it, so I didn't look as bad because... When we were when we were playing bad football last season, it the fans the fans really really, you know, helped us get that last that that, that second wind per se that second wind, and get get us across the line to get three points. So I obviously not having fans has affected everyone, but for us, I feel like it's affected us a lot more than anyone else. No, hundred percent. Because as you said, it also affects the opposition as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Anyway, on to our next topic, which is Salah. So, Salah, he is probably the player that's carrying us the most now that Jota's only just come back. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel like whilst Jota's been out, Salah's really been one of the only players that I can say has been putting his heart into playing alongside Robbo, Firmino and, and Trent. I feel like, Obviously, due to injuries, Fabinho and Henderson have been out and Alisson's been out a few games and all that. But I feel like out of all the games, I, no one has really been injured. You know, Salah's one of the only players that seems to be putting in, like, the effort 100% of the time, every game. And he scored. He scored very important goals. Like, that that goal, yeah. which we'll get into a bit later against Real Madrid, the away goal, that could be very crucial. That means now we only have to score two instead of four. You know what I'm saying? Considering we can, you know, considering mm-hmm. we don't concede. But, yeah. I feel like Salah for us as this season has stepped up and has taken the, the leading role and he's really he's helped us stay like in a competing spot. Without Salah this season, I don't know where we'd be. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. His his performances have really helped us a lot. And I I heard you make the point of Robo and Trent as well. And I think 
you know, when it comes to judging Robo's season, you can't be too harsh on him because oh, yeah. he's played like 500 consecutive 90-minute games. Mm. I don't know when Klopp's going to arrest him. I don't know when Tsimikas is going to see the pitch. I don't understand his signing. It. Yeah, it's just things Tumikas like that don't make sense. Like Tsimikas just seems like a, a pointless signing because he's played one game that I can remember anyway. Was it Lincoln City? That's the only game I think I can remember him playing. And the last PR game, if I'm not mistaken, he was like hooked at halftime. It was yeah, it was hot. It was I think yeah. what's it called? Was it City that where Robertson was hooked up like after 70 minutes or something? I think I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, and like Robertson, I do remember. Go on. I was saying I, I do remember Timikas getting hooked at halftime, and I was also thinking oh, yeah. like, what? Why did Klopp go and do that? Because I mean, he was solid in the match. Yeah, like Robo, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if he's suffering from like some fatigue. Like I feel like after this Real Madrid game, he should not play against Leeds. I know Leeds is a very big game, very important game. First league game at Elland Road now for God knows how long. And this is, you know, it's it's a, it's a big but important game. If we want to challenge for top, if we want to get top four, we must win every single game now that we've got. And I feel like Robo needs to play against Real Madrid because obviously out of Timikas and, you know, Robertson himself, Robertson, you know, wipes the floor. But I feel like after that game, he needs a rest for at least a game, just a, one game, just not no minutes, just on the bench. Let Timikas run his legs, let him just play, get let him get minutes underneath his belt. Just get. I feel like with Robertson, he needs he needs a rest. He does. No, definitely, definitely, and I don't know how he's not tired. I mean, he's probably not physically, you know, tired, but uh, mentally, he can get tired as well because. Mm. Uh, football's all about rhythm, you know. So if you're just like continuing on this constant playing and be consistently being under this mental stress of, you know, playing a football match, you kind of lose your creativity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. See, with, with Robbo, his season, I don't, I don't think he's been bad at all. Like, I don't feel like he's had a game below a, a five. I don't, I don't. I, honestly, I don't feel like he has. But I just feel like the only reason he seems to be, you know, being not criticised, but like he seems to be, you know, a lot less like rated this season by fans is obviously it's just purely because he hasn't been rested. He's been playing games constantly for us now for four, four seasons, for like, you know, three and a half seasons, almost four seasons now. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. And he's never, he's never, especially with international break. Robertson is one player, especially in our team that has not had a proper break because international break Scotland have been playing three matches every time that's three matches in a space of two weeks and then coming back and starting again and playing another 90 where Robertson's captain for Scotland playing 90 for three times and then coming straight back so he's not had any significant rest no 100% 100% also like I also think of Klopp's decision making and judgement this season has been quite poor mm, yeah I mean moments yeah. There are moments where I've just been like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Like, genuinely, it's been irritating, but like, yeah. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I still trust him. Yeah, of course, of course. Back up all yeah. the way. So, why an album? <laughs> Sticky, man. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't know with why an album, man. I just don't know. Because one, against Leipzig, honestly, 
I was saying, I was saying to my brother when I was watching the match, I was saying, look, if Juan Adam, the second leg against Leipzig, if Juan Adam played like that every single game, I'd see why he'd be demanding the wage that he is. I'd see why he, you know, would want that extra money that he plays. Because that game, the second leg that he played against Leipzig was absolutely phenomenal. It was one of the best performances I've seen from Juan Adam in the Liverpool shirt. It was honestly incredible. Everything he touched, every, every time he touched the ball, it turned to gold. Honestly, playing crucial passes, you know, retaining possession, making amazing dribbles, making a load of defenders. Just everything he did was perfect. You know, and especially the midfield that complimented him for Bino and Thiago. It was just a, it was the perfect game for him. And he was playing so well. But I just feel like apart from that, has he really been good this season? Wolves, he got that. Was it Wolves? Yeah, where he got that beautiful goal. But mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. He's just he just he just seems to be no he just seems to be not offering nothing really, does he? No, hundred percent. And when people describe him as, you know, Mr. Reliable that's pretty accurate. I mean, yeah, there aren't many true. games you can think of where Van Alden has dropped below six out of ten. I mean, he's pretty consistent, but at the same time, he's consistently average, you know. Mm. He doesn't bring anything like, wow, to the pitch. Like, if you think of that run Keita did against uh, Real Madrid, where he almost created a goal as well. Yeah, Van Alden doesn't have that kind of spontaneity. He doesn't have that... Uh, that uh, Const- Constantness uh, of doing it. Exactly, you know what I mean? That's yeah. why, you know, some of our fan base will prefer Keita over him and other jazz, mm. and it's understandable. So, I also really do think Van Alden is not meant to be playing the role he's been playing at Liverpool since he arrived. I mean, if you look at his numbers when he was at Newcastle, he, he was a really attack, attack-minded player. I mean, goals and assists, you look at his, his goal and assist output at Netherlands when Kuman was there, and then he comes back to... Liverpool and he plays with an entire, entirely different role. So, yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a tough one. But, like, uh, I mean, obviously, he's, he's given a lot to this club. I'm, I'm mm. not going to take any credit yeah. away from him. And he's been sense. amazing for this club, in fact. I can't lie. Like, I've loved him yeah. ever since he joined. He's been one of my favourite players because he's just... Every game, really, he has put his heart and soul into the club. Like, every game he's played for us has really has been... He's put in everything, but it's just this season. I've just noticed a bit of a, ch- a change in him, and I just I just don't know what it is. Like I feel like this season, he's just oh, again. It's probably the same situation with Mane, the fans, and probably not having that like extra mental boost. But I just feel like this season, it's either probably being because he's playing been playing a different role on the club due to like you know the injuries that we've been having, or it's probably just a, him as a player. But the the way he's playing, I just don't see anything. I just don't see anything like creative. Like I don't see nothing going forward. I barely do. Exactly. Like that one Real run that he did all game, you know, which got us the goal. I was like, that's amazing. That's what he needs to be doing all the time. But then he does that. He does that one run, and then that was it. He when every time he got the ball, he was either passing it backwards, moving it side to side, going on a a semi decent run, stopping. And then passing it back again, and it's just, it's just slowing us down. And it's honestly, I don't hate I don't, the guy. I, it's just I feel like he's either being played incorrectly by Klopp, or he's just he's fully just as a play. He's kind of just starting to again maybe just decline, or again he might he might just not be, you know, he might just be he might just actually 
his decision making might have just gone. Do you know what I mean? No, I hear you. And one thing I want to bring to light, though, is that losing VVD really hurts our system. Mm. Precisely because of the way he really directs our play in terms of his passing, his uh, from deep, when he spots a run, he can catch Mm. it nicely. And I do feel like now that we've lost him, as that extra creative, you know, spark, Genie's mm. lack of creativity is being highlighted and being exposed. There's a spotlight mm. on it now because now we have to rely on our midfield. It's no longer when back then we could use Van Dijk to ping balls across the pitch, long balls. Now we have like Kabak and Phillips who definitely aren't that type of player. Mm. So now you get to a point where where else is the creativity going to come from? And the only other place is our midfield. I mean, besides the 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 fullbacks, of course. Mm. But like they've always been in there. So that's why I do feel like, you know, this season especially it's being highlighted that he lacks mm. that that uh ability to, you know, spot a run and catch it and you know, yeah. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Because I you can see it with Trent especially too. Trent's game has definitely been affected by Van Dyke not being there. Yeah. Like Trent would usually be a lot more higher up, usually, and same with Robert, because you know you've have you've got Trent, you've got Van Dyke, sorry, you've got Van Dyke there. As he's a fast guy, he's a strong guy. You can play a high line with Van Dyke only. You could just have Van, you could just tell Van Dyke, stay right there on the center spot, right? And everyone can attack. And whatever team comes to us in a counter-attack, you just it doesn't matter. 2v1. You remember that season where Spurs were on 2v1? With Son and I think it was Sissoko or something like that. It's and he okay, absolutely yeah. bottled it. 2v1 against Van Dyke and Sissoko bottled it. Van Dyke did nothing. He was just backing up slowly, backing up slowly, challenge, and it was it was over the bar. He was that's one of the best 2v1. Not no uh, no average defender can do that. No, no normal defender can do that. Van Dyke nice. offers so much, and I feel like that's definitely affected the team and that's definitely affected the way we played. And as as you said. That's probably where Wine Alden's getting exposed because we usually we didn't have to rely on the creativity in the midfield as as much as now because that link between the the the, the defense and the attack came from Van Dyke because he could play the simple switch ball fastly to Salah or to Mane or to Firmino to hold up play or anything like that or Trent or Robbo just up wide. But without that, now it's kind of like everything's been more directed from the midfield. And that's where we're starting to slow the game down, which is why I love Thiago, because Thiago come, Thiago came to Liverpool and the, the main reason for him was to be like, do you know what, Thiago, you're going to play this, you're going to play right here, right, with Fabinho. And what you're going to do is you're going to play running and you're going to play running backwards and you're going to get the ball, you're going to pass it, you're going to see a pass over there, ping it, just whatever pass you see, you're going to do it, make the ball go fast. And if we're winning, kind of just keep it slow, but keep the game going. But I feel like with Wan Adam, you don't you don't see that. You just get the he just gets the ball and passes it backwards with Thiago. You see him playing a quick one too with Fabinho, like I remember against Aston Villa. Thiago came on and he was straight away just one two with Fabinho. And I think he played a ball to 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 Salah. And I think that's I think that's what sort of one of the counter attacks, but I don't think we score from it. But I remember it was just that kind of, you know, one two stuff and he was fast and he gets the ball up. And it's just with one other, you don't really see that, do you? Yeah, no, not at all. But like, as I said, he is a reliable player to have. Mm. But, you know, when it comes to actually, you know, requiring your midfield to 
be a creative source and actually create things in the midfield. Like you can't really rely on it. Yeah, in that that's case. true. That's very true. Because as I, I, I think that the one of the main reasons why we lost to Real, which we'll get into a lot more in a bit, was definitely because of our midfield. I feel like a, a lot of our game now has been directed towards the midfield. If our midfield's crap, then we're crap. Usually for usually for Liverpool, it used to be in seventeen eighteen. It used to be if our attack was terrible, we were terrible. In eighteen nineteen, it was if our defense is terrible, we were terrible. But we never really seen that. It was more like them one games, like the Napoli that we lost one nil, or the Barcelona. Actually, the Barcelona game we weren't even too bad. But do you know what I mean? But it was you know them one that one nil against Napoli. You know that's just silly. That one one against West Ham. You know the silly. Dropping of points, you know, even the the, the two against Belgrade, the defense with the defense was poor, then we were poor. In in nineteen twenty, it was more of if the attack was poor, we were poor again. And I feel like with this season now, it's more that the midfield. If our midfield is not stringing passes together, then we're useless. One thing I'll say on that is, so I, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Klopp has been you know trying to switch to a four two three one in order to get more. Mm. You know, creative output from the midfield, but you know, for certain reasons like injuries, that has been impossible. Yeah. But one thing I'll say is, when Klopp arrived, the main uh, role of the midfield was to just run, was to press, was to attack. You know, players yeah. from the opposition so that they can't feel comfortable on the ball. Mm. And once we lost the ability to press as much as we used to do. Like I, I can see that right now. I, I look at how when a player like Modric would get the ball in the midfield, only one player like Genie would slowly creep up to him. Mm. And I looked at that and I was like, you know, this is one of the reasons why, you know, they absolutely ran through us. I mean, we're very what happens is when Trent goes forward, right, he leaves a gap, of course, mm. in the in the in the back line. And as you said, when Gomez and VVD were there, they could cover it up as well, nicely in all hitches. But what happened was, in this game, that gap was there. Phillips is not fast. The midfield wasn't pressing as much, which meant that it was easy for Modric and Kroos and Castemiro to pass the ball through, find space for Furlong, Mendy and Vinicius, who are up the pitch. And now you get a situation where Trent is dealing with both of these players alone, because here's the midfielder, Who's who's supposed to be on his side pushed down onto uh, the other side where the ball was switched from, and that's why I do feel like you know Klopp has to look at this and think, okay, we've been beaten the same way for the longest time. We actually need to change something. You know, that's why that's one of the reasons why I was questioning Klopp's decision making and judgment this season because. We were losing the same way every single match. Yeah, it was the same. It was the same game. I remember Brighton. Brighton scored from that long ball over the top, over our right-hand side. Then, then there was a cross in and whatever. I think it was, I don't know who it was. It was probably Trossard or something scored. Burnley, it was it's the same thing, I guess. It kind of, it was the long ball over the top. Ashley, Ashley Barnes is running onto it. Gets a lucky penalty or whatever. It's the same thing, really. We can't, you know, what, what else was there? Fulham was just, Fulham was a bit, it was the same thing, actually, but we had Neko Williams there. Obviously, they didn't score from that, but they got a free kick due to that, which led to their goal. You know, it was all these, all these, all these losses at home that we've had this season. They've been understandable, and it's not like we haven't deserved. It's not like we've deserved to win. It's 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 such an easy, easy, what's it called? It's just an easy like 
if FIFA just say it's a glitch, you just do the same thing, just pull it over the top, over our right hand side, and the, you know you're going to be an attack, and that's essentially what every team has done this season. I guess they've they've been doing it other seasons too, because they've been exposing the fact that Arnold's been getting up a lot. But I feel like, especially without Van Dijk, we can't risk that high line. If we're going to play, if we're going to play like the football that we do, you know, uh, we're going to play. If we want to play with you know conviction, then we need to make sure that like. We've got like at least two defenders, which are like a good a good like ten meters away from the halfway line, right? We need a good like at least two. Carbach and Phillips just they need to kind of give a lot of space between the halfway line and like where they're standing. We need at least one midfielder as like a cover. Fabinho can do that job perfectly. Just that one midfielder that can like you know retain the ball and pass it back out instantly to Trent or Robert that's wide. That's all we need. We just need that kind of security there because if when we play the high line, especially, you know, when we've got slow plays like Kabak and... Kabak can't fucking run for his life. That guy's running like this. Do you know what I mean? So if we've got slow plays like that, then we can't play the high line, which again, I feel like that's, that's on Klopp. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, got, like, I, love Klopp to, I love Klopp to death. He's made me feel so happy around Liverpool and such. Like I remember feeling so just like shit when I was a kid, man. Like I was just... The pressure we're losing and stuff. Rogers came in the league, flopped, you know, and then obviously the club's come in and he's made me absolutely love football again. So obviously I'm not, I don't hate him whatsoever. I don't, I don't hate him whatsoever. But you need criticism's needed. You know, criticism is needed. Do you know what I'm saying? Criticize where criticism, criticism is needed. So that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm just saying, Klopp needs to. We we need to question Klopp these games that we have lost because I feel like. We may have not had the team that should have lost. Like on paper, we definitely had the better team than everybody we lost to. But it's just the way we approached that game. You knew, you knew from the first minute that we were going to lose, and it weren't just because oh yeah, we lost the game at Anfield. Oh, we're going to lose this one, and we end up ended up losing. Do you know what I mean? Like it was fully the way we approached these games tactically. We were just completely outdone. No, hundred percent. I hear you. Right, now that we've finished going over the Premier League events that happened, we are now going to preview the Real Madrid game which is happening this Wednesday. Possible Anfield comeback again? What do you reckon? <laughs> Look, man, like I would love to believe we're going to come back and we're going to win this. But when you combine our Anfield record and the fact that there are no fans mm-hmm. and just... Just our form in general, also compared to Madrid's form, I don't see us coming out of this one. But I would really love it to happen. Ah, honestly, man, the stuff I do to see us come back against Real Madrid. Oh, man, listen, now nah, listen. Real Madrid, I just can't let them keep getting away with it. They've pained mm. me enough, man. Kiev was enough pain. I don't want to. I don't want to have to see these runovers again. I want. I. I want revenge. I want revenge. I, I, bro, I'm telling you right now. I don't, I don't think I hate a team more right now than I hate Real Madrid. Their fans, 100%. their fans, 100%. the whole team. The only thing, the only, the only thing right now I like about Madrid that I like about Madrid is is Zidane. That's the only thing I like about Madrid. Apart from that, I hate everything. I hate everyone involved. I hate their fans. I hate, especially, I hate their fans on Twitter. I just hate the club in general. They're, they're scummy. I hate them. I, I, ah. Honestly, we need. I I want to see revenge, but if I'm being truly honest, I just don't see it happening. I can see Real Madrid at least getting two goals, at least two, because with our defense, 
Vinicius might, you know, I've got a, I've got a bad, you know, not bad feeling, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if Vinicius had another Ronaldinho-esque performance. Do you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be surprised because with the high line, if we're giving a guy like him yeah. good ability on the ball and he's got pace, we're going to get exposed. So goals are, goals are definitely going to, you know, if we keep on playing like how we did the first leg, we are going to get exposed big time and we are yeah, dead. We- we are definitely conceding more than two. If we could, if we if we don't concede, I I I think that we can score two this game. I do I do think <laughs> that we can score at least two because it's not like we haven't created chances. That's the, that's the thing. I just we have it's not we haven't created chances. We've been creating chances every game that we've lost. We've at least created at least like four or five chances, especially against Villa. We created how many? We created at least fifteen or so, and we we were on them every every second, you know. Our game before that, Arsenal, we were on Arsenal every second. Before international break, Wolves, against Wolves, it was kind of slacking, but we had our chances that we could have buried away. We, we do make our chances. Yeah. It's just a matter of, we just need to score. We just need to score. And I think against Real Madrid, I think we can at least get two. But then it turns into the, do you, will we concede game? Do you not feel like that's what we lacked in the first leg against Real Madrid? Yes. I mean, I don't think we even had a shot on target before the the end of the first half. Yeah, I mean, true. our general play as a whole was just shambolic. Like, no one was playing well, from mm. the attackers to the midfielders. It was weird. It was, it was like, I mean, you look back at Kiev as well, you think, we, we beat ourselves. I mean, we, we allowed these guys to run through all over us and all that jazz. And I really feel like the only way we're going to be able to get out of this match is if we impose ourselves on the match, mm. which is something we didn't do in the first first leg. Yeah. And also, as you said, be mindful of those counters. I mean, even against Barcelona, I don't think there's a team right now that counters as lethally as Real Madrid. Their mm. breaks on the counter are just fucking fast. I mean, Bro, I was watching El Clasico. I was now classical. I think, oh man, who was it on the ball? It was, was it, oh man, was it Velvet? No, it wasn't Velvet. It might have been actually, but one of them, one of them, yeah, one of the Real Madrid players. Can't remember who it was, but they got the ball from a, a Barcelona cross from Messi, I think it was, cleared out or whatever, goes on a counter attack. It's a back, gets past Busquets with ease, right? Busquets is now on his bike, he's trying to rush after him. He's Jordi Alba is now there, right? With the other two centre backs, I actually don't know what the Barcelona centre backs are called, but they're there, right? De Jong's not in the picture. Dest, I don't know where Dest is on the right back, he's gone, he's nowhere to be seen yet. Jordi Alba, right? Because the two Barcelona centre backs are so out of position, Jordi Alba's got two options. What he can either go, go more central and cause the player, the player to kind of go more out wider, like more out wide. But then, you know, Benzema's still there. Do you know what I mean? So, Jordi Alba kind of puts an early challenge in. The ball gets past him and he's gone. The, 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 the guy's gone. The two defenders managed, the two centre-backs managed to recover. So, I don't know who it was, but he managed, you know, they do manage to kind of drag him out wide a little bit to the edge of the box. But then you've got... I think that, that was Mingueta. Yeah, you've got that, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was. And then, but then you've still got that 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 problem where in the box Benzema just got the ball unmarked and he does some mad back back you know back heel flick goal. It was incredible, honestly. It was one of the best goals I've seen this season. And I'm just thinking, wow, that was one counter attack, one. So I'm saying they teleport from one end of the pitch to the other. Yeah, I know, I know they they do, and it? it's crazy. 
I think this, yeah, that's one thing we need to really be wary for. That's why I really think that four, two, three, one, it's a must. Mm. It's, we, it's a life for death. We need put from being. We need, we need, we need, we need a double pivot of some sort, man. We do, we oh. really do need. We need to, we need to know that without the ball, we've still got a second line in midfield. Because, look, okay, so. It'd be, going up to the first leg, I made a thread on Twitter and everything I said got everything I said was correct about how Real Madrid were happy to just sit back without the ball and how everyone behind the ball, about how counterattacks were lethal, about everything, all of that. I said about what we should do to counterattack it. I said what would win us the game, what would win them the game. I said if we don't put a good midfield shift in, we'd lose. If we don't isolate their midfield, if we don't press their midfield, they're going to expose us. Everything I said came true. Everything that I, I I I said would happen if we didn't do this, it happened. I'm just a 17 year old kid, and I'm doing pep type analyzing before the games even started. Yeah, I don't see how Klopp didn't see that coming. I didn't. I, I mean, I, I, he's I, been watching clips of Real Madrid and has seen that you know this is their strength. Yeah, but yeah, sure. I guess it goes back to that thing again. Klopp's judgment this season. Mm. Exactly, it all goes back to that because, as I said, like watching Real Madrid against Barcelona, they 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 didn't they didn't do much. Barcelona were had the most possession. I'm sure they had the most like you know attempts. I don't know if they had the most attempts, but they definitely had the ball more going forward. And after Real Madrid got their second goal, they fell off. They were not doing nothing. They weren't doing anything. Barcelona had that game in their in their in, you know in their control. Barcelona are lucky not to get, you know, more goals, really. So Real Madrid are not a hard team to beat. You just they just they're just a very good team at making possession mean nothing. <laughs> that's the thing. That's, yeah, 100%. that's 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 what they that's the that's like their strength. They're just a very good team at making possession mean nothing. They're like the Spanish Man City. They can make possession mean nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like if if they, they look at Anfield, right? I know what they. I I feel like I have, I feel like I have an understanding of what they're gonna do. They're gonna to come to Anfield. They're gonna try and they, they want to try and get a goal. They want to try and get at least one away goal because that would mean that we have to get four. We have to score four mm-hmm. goals, which you know will be such a huge stretch. We need to score four goals if they get one. So I feel like they're either there's, there's two ways they're gonna approach this game. They're either gonna just sit back the whole game and just be like. We don't need to go forward with two nil up, right? Even if they get one, it's not that deep. We, they, we just, if you can just stop them, for, if they can just make their possession worthless, if we can just make sure that they're not getting into the final third with conviction and with strength, if you can just make sure that every time the ball gets put into our box, it's gone and we're on a fast counter attack instantly, then I, I, I honestly I think they're going to just come to Anfield and they're going to just sit back with a line of five. A line of four and Benzema kind of just there waddling along, and then they're gonna just sit back, allow allow us to pass the ball around the midfield, allow us to just do that. You know, um, they're gonna for they're, what they're gonna do is without us even knowing, they're gonna force us to play it out wide to Trent or Robbo to cross it in. That's what we're gonna they're gonna force us to do that. I can see, I I, I can tell already. They're either gonna do that, or they're gonna come to Anfield with the intention of not just not just going through, but with winning. 
they're going to come to Anfield with the, with the idea of, do you want know right? Fuck away goals rule or whatever. Yeah, we're just going to come to Anfield and we're going to just play football and we're going to fucking batter these. That's what they. That's what that. That's the two approaches that are going to play. I see them more taking the second approach because it works in the home leg. And I guess if you can prevent, if if you can prevent attacks, like if you can stop them being as deadly as possible and then hit them on a counter attack, then and it and it works. And I don't see why you you don't you don't fix something that isn't broken. You don't you don't fix yeah. it isn't broken. Do you know what I mean? So. I just feel like they're, they're the two approaches that I feel like Zidane's going to take on Wednesday. And either way, I feel like the one best for us would be if they just go attacking and they just don't care about just trying to go through. If they try and win with, like, try and make the opposition, like, scared. Do you know what I mean? Either, so, so Real Madrid, they're either going to just sit back, park the bus, attack, a counter-attack, or they're going to go with full pace, all out, just bombard and bombard and just try and, you know, whatever they can, attack of mind to just try and imitate that whoever they're playing next as well, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, yeah. See them, I, I see them more playing the first game where they sit back. I'd want them to p- play the second game because I feel like if they play the second game, it will go into our hands a lot more and play into mm-hmm. our hands a lot more. But I just don't see it happening. And that that's why I, I don't really see us coming back. I don't, I, I don't want to be negative about it. But if I'm being truly honest, I don't, I don't, I don't see us doing a magic. I don't see us doing a miracle. I think we could win like two one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we could win yeah. the game. We could win the game, but we won't win the occasion. So, I, that's, I, that's one thing I want to mention as well. Is like, I mean, club could decide he's going to do a system change and switch to the four two three one. But Zidane is, I don't. There aren't many managers. I mean, I, I, I shared a tweet about it. I think yesterday. There aren't many managers in the world right now that are as good as at planning for individual games than Zidane. I think, mm. like, the way he can, like, just spot his opposition and see, you know... Because, I mean, you look at different ma- managers like Pep, he has his own style of play. Klopp, yeah. he has his style of play. Mm. Other managers have their own style of play. When you are malleable, like Zidane, he doesn't have a specific, you know... Uh, footballing tactical mm. philosophy and all the jazz. Yeah, it makes you more flexible, so uh, it makes it easier to you know tweak your system to for individual games, which is why I think he has the edge on us in this case. But um, yeah, it's just also back to that uh, sitting back point where you know uh, we couldn't get through and all that jazz. I'm thinking, what was Klopp do thinking? Taking Keita off. I mean, I get there's a possibility of, for a tactical uh, issue and all that jazz, but when you have a player like Genie who was literally doing nothing right that entire game except for that one run, of course, mm-hmm. which led to our only goal. But like, you look at what Keita was doing that entire game, keeping the ball, passing it around, pinging it around, you know, dribbling the ball, dribbling with the ball, you know, breaking past the the the, the the first line of defense mm-hmm. that Real Madrid had, yeah. and all that jazz. And I'm thinking, you know, that's something we really needed, you know. Yeah, it is. But, a player like Kate is something that we've really been lacking this whole season. I feel like, and I, honestly, I love Kate as a player. I think he's fantastic, and I genuinely feel like he. I don't think he should have started, but he was the right play for that game. He should have come off of the bench. I feel like he, I don't feel like he should have started, and I feel like he's getting so much unnecessary unnecessary hate because he didn't have the yeah. best game. 
but it's just because you don't you, you can't you, you know what I mean like you can't what's it called you can't put you just can't you you can't you can't put a reggae singer in a, in a, in, a, in an orchestra and expect them to be the same musician do you know what I mean you can't put a guy who's just come back from injury start him in one of the biggest games in the season and just expect him to do you know what you think he will do and I feel like that's the problem. That's, the, that's, that's, that's where Klopp got it wrong with Keita. Keita should have just come off the bench. He was the right. He was the right guy. He was that. He was the perfect man. He was making them runs. You know that we needed to make. He was getting past that line of defence. He was dribbling, get making. He was. He was making chances. Yes, Klopp said he took him off, and I think it was because of the defensive aspect of Keita's game. But realistically, if you still like, if we had that double pivot of 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 Thiago and Fabinho behind Keita. Then the defensive aspect, it, you know, it kind of you know what I mean? exactly. It, it it really it really means very little. All it means is like I guess you have that you can have that extra man in the midfield. But realistically, if if we if we okay, this is how we should set up on Wednesday, in my opinion. Like if I was Klopp, this is how I'd set up. I'm starting. Okay, I, I'm starting my midfield three would be Fabinho, Thiago, and Milner. Right, I, I put I put I am um, I put sort on Twitter saying you know what you know what what midfield three would you have? I'll show I'll show you some responses now that I got on screen. Sorry if you're on Spotify, but um, I seen I, I seen all these things. I just think Milner, Thiago, and Fabinho. I just feel like that midfield, that midfield three. If you play if you play Thiago as the cam and you have Fabinho and Milner as the two holdings, but you play you play. You, you tell Milner to play his box to box because I'm telling you right now, Milner is easily the most underrated midfielder that we've got in our squad right now. That guy does not stop running. That motherfucker will run for days and days on end. People are saying, "Oh yeah, but he's old." I don't care. This guy runs more than anybody in our squad. This guy against Arsenal. If you watched against Arsenal, right? This guy was getting in all the right positions. He was in all. I think he had like, uh, like he. I think he had like three of our first shots. You want to go? He was in the right positions at the right time. Sadly, it was just him. If we had a player like Jota there, we're probably going to score, but he's always in the right positions and we need a player like that to get in the right positions. He makes runs in behind. He does everything. He's he's, he's a box-to-box midfielder. He's like Cater. You know what I mean? But he's just... He's, just, yeah, yeah. Not, he's not, not as technically gifted, but he knows he knows his role and he knows what he needs to do. That's why I'd start... That's why I'd start Milner, I feel like. And I'd start, you know, with Thiago... And Fabinho, like you know, then to kind of rotating a little bit. I mean, Thiago and Milner like rotating a little bit. Some one one of them goes up sometimes, one of them goes up all the time. But Fabinho stays holding. But I feel like if we play that midfield three with that intention, with Fabinho is just sit back, kind of control the area which would be given the center. When we're attacking, when we're in their half, the center, the center circle is your space. Not and gets past that space. That's your space. I say to to Milner, you're the extra man in the attack, right? Because I know you can run back and defend straight away if you lose the ball. You're the extra man in the attack. Yeah. And I say to Thiago, whatever whatever side Milner's on, if Milner's on the left hand side, you're in the exact mirror position on the right, and you have that line. Mm-hmm. So if the ball's on the left hand side, Thiago, if the ball's on the left hand side and Milner's there helping Robbo, Thiago's in the exact same mirror position as Milner is, and then Trent kind of drops back a little bit yeah. to cover that extra space, and because he's he can. Trent, if, if, if Trent does that, then he's obviously covering Vinicius, which will be amazing. And if the ball goes forward, then that means Salah can get the ball, pass it back to a cross. Do you know what I'm saying? It's 
yeah. it's the same if the ball's on Trent for Robbo. If the ball's on Trent's side and Thiago's there helping Trent, you know, Milner's in the mirror position as, you know what I mean by mirror position? Like, if, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's in the mirror position that, uh, what's it called, that Thiago is, but Robbo kind of holds back a little bit to cover that spacing for where the, the run in behind may be. And then the defence is kind of like, you know, a good, like, on the edge of the centre circle, not the halfway line, do you know what I mean? Like, maybe a little bit more, you know, to give, to give like, a good space for the midfield to recover so we're not just, they're not just in behind. I feel like if we can go in with a game plan like that, I with an attacker game plan like that anyway, I feel like we'll be able to outpower their midfield. I feel like I, I have more, I'm, I'm more a tactical genius or nothing, but I'm just saying if we go in with that approach, I feel like that we could, with, in theory, yeah. We, if we go in with that approach, I feel like we'll be able to as and move like and move around because our players are way too static. If we can go with that game plan and try and get players like Firmino, try and get you know whoever whoever does start in the front three or whatever Jota, Salah, Mane, you know whoever starts. If we can get them to make runs in behind, even if they're little runs, and just to try and you know get the ball past that line of defence then I feel like we'll have a very good chance of making a comeback in this game and potentially, you know, doing a massive upset and, you know, going to the semi-finals. No, I hear you. I hear you. And one thing Thiago also brings... That's why I, I didn't have a problem with Thiago coming on. It was just the fact that, you know, Cater came off. Mm. But, like, that's a whole other story. I, Thiago, even on the counter, he's not afraid to, you know, tactically mm. chop down whoever's trying yeah. to get the ball up the pitch. I mean, that's probably why he racks up a lot of yellow cards and all that mm. jazz, but like, it's something we kind of really need, especially in this game and he gets mocked a lot for being tempo man, which, mm. which is, it's kind of stupid, but it's, uh, it's, it's understandable when you consider the average age of mm. the football Twitter, where <laughs> he, <laughs> he's controlling the game, he's passing the ball around, yeah. he's making sure we're keeping the ball and the ball mm. is moving at all times mm-hmm. so that the defense, the opposition as well is also consistently moving across yeah. the pitch. Thiago's a and very good that's... player for, for creating passing channels too. Like, if he's not... It, what, what I mean by that is, like, Thiago's a very good player that if, if like, a player like Habak has got the ball and Thiago's coming, dropping in deep to make an option for a pass, right? If there's somebody, like, kind of, if, you know... What Thiago will do is he will kind of move a bit to the side in space to receive the ball, but it'll be like a good ball through to, to Mane or a ball in for, for Robertson or on the other side for Salah or Trent. It'll be like, he'll create that channel. He won't just like cover the ball. He'll create that channel for the ball to be played. That's the same with Fabinho. Fabinho does the same. Fabinho can move and pull a defender out so that ball can be played into whoever it is. And that's 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 something that's crucial because to beat these to beat these on Wednesday, to beat these scummy Bastards on Wednesday, yeah. I hate, oh man, I hate them, man. I said that. Ah, if we to beat these, man, now nah, listen, to beat these, to beat these on Wednesday, to beat Real Madrid on Wednesday, we need to make sure yeah. that we are dragging their players out of position because they, Zidane is going to definitely play a back five, just, just because it's going to be a line of five in defence of some sort. Yeah. There, there will be. I've been watching, I watched El Clasico, I watched Real Madrid's game, I can't remember who it was because honestly, ugh, La Liga, I don't really know who's playing, I just watch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who they were playing, but watching Real Madrid's game before us, be, you know, what's it called against us and against Barcelona, every game they just have a line of five. If we can somehow 
if you can somehow trick them into jacking plays out of position, like even if it means that Firmino gets the ball and he's being crowded by two players, even if that means he runs all the way, if he runs 10 metres towards our goal and drags out two players, that's a quick one pass to one pass to whoever's there. Fabinho, one pass there and boom, that's a pass into like, you know, probably Milner who could be running in behind or Salah who's on the wing or something. It's yeah. it's stuff like that. If, if if we can try and drag, especially defenders, if we can try and drag players out of position against Real Madrid, then we've got a great chance of, you know, making a comeback. No, 100%, I agree with you. And that brings another dilemma, which is, do you start Jota or not? Or do you start... Uh, put money on the bench and start Jota instead of money. Because one thing I really do feel we need is Firmino on that pitch. Yes, Firmino's a must. Ooh. See now, see the stuff that I've been seeing, right? Okay, actually, let me do, let me say what I'm doing first. So I've been, I've, I was thinking in my head, I want to try and take a similar approach that we did against Arsenal. Hence why I said Milner starts in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I feel like. We should do that, right? Milner starts in the midfield. And then if you know if, you know stuff's going well, stuff's going decent. We but our front three that we start with is the, the you know Mane, Firmino, and Salah. I feel like we should start Mane, we should start Firmino, we should start Salah. And I, I feel like once Milner's been there to, and he's done his part, I feel like we can either take him off. And replace him with Jota and put Firmino in that role, which I don't feel like. I feel like that essentially all that essentially means is that we've changed a little bit where Thiago is now no longer playing as like a box to box per se. He's kind of just like a strict like just centre midfield, but he goes forward. Yeah, you know, he's like a standard yeah. six. He's not a box to box, but he's like he's hanging around there. Do you know what I'm saying? As like if you if you just as an extra man if needed. And I feel another option. Another another option would either be if Robbo's feeling tired, which is understandable. You can then put Milner at left back, and then yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, that, so yeah. I seen other stuff on Twitter. Um, I've got a screenshot of it now. Um, of someone saying, uh, "Star for me, you know, as the as the as the as the ten, like as the calm <laughs> position." And have uh, Mane, Jota, and Salah up front, and then have uh, Firmino yeah, as a player yeah. in behind. I'm thinking, do you know what? Right, that's a good idea. I like, that's that's on paper that looks solid. But I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real, right? Jota, when Jota comes off the bench, that guy is incredible. Like I know he's, I know he scored a lot of goals for us when he's been when he started. But when he comes off the bench, I'm sure he scored nearly every game he's come off the bench for us, apart from Everton. And a few others, like maybe one or two, but I'm pretty sure every game Joss has come off the bench, he's scored. Do you know what I mean? I think what the problem for Jota is in terms of what happens when he starts and does not score is when you have Salah, Mane, and Jota on the pitch, there's no one tying the strings in that front line. They're all very direct plays, you know, mm. they go straight to goal and all that jazz. Mm. But when you have a player like Firmino, you have somebody that's kind of like, you know, um, maneuvering around, who's knitting passes between players and all that jazz. Yeah. Jota isn't that type of player. Mm. That's Just, why I, I do feel like his goal output lacks when he's strictly oh. alone with money and Salah. 
Mm. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I will, I, personally, I wouldn't start Jota because he started two games now and he, he hasn't scored. He's, I, I know that's not enough, but for me, I just feel like, look, he come off the bench against Arsenal. Yeah, he started against Wolves, but I mean, Firmino was injured, so he had no choice. But he came off the bench against Arsenal and he got a brace. He, what's it called? He started against Real Madrid and he was practically pointless in that game. He did nothing, really. Apart from that assist to Salah, he was really not in the game. I mean, no one was, but no one was. But if you, you know, if you've got to play like Jota, you need someone in the midfield to, yeah. you know, to make him get there. But if he didn't have that, so Jota was useless. That's why probably Firmino would have been better in that game. Jota started against Aston Villa. He was pretty good, but I just feel like at the end product that he had, again, you know, he had one header, which I think went over the bar, but apart from that, he didn't, you know, didn't have too much. He had that one shot, which went over the bar too, but... And then, I don't know, I just feel like this game, it just, I think it's calling for just normal normal service resumed. Mane, Salah, and Firmino, yeah. because you know what you're going to get out of them. You know you're going to get an attack out of them. That's the thing. You know, you know you're gonna get attempts. It's just a matter of we need to score. Because hmm. hmm. uh, that's one thing that's also been lacking from us: converting chances. Yeah. So for me, we have been symbolic. Yeah. yeah. So for for me, for me, my start and eleven is of course Allison, Trent, Kabak, Phillips, and Robertson with Thiago, Fabinho, Milner. Mane Salah Firmino. That's what I'd start. I've seen stuff. I've seen stuff like I remember seeing um, somebody say that we can't start Phillips and we should start Fabinho at centre back. What are your thoughts on that? One okay, Phillips is not the best defender. Like that's mm. for sure. He's not starting level for Liverpool. Yeah. But what one thing he does allow is he allows what you call it Fabinho to do what he does best in the midfield. Yeah. That ability to track down balls, I mean, uh, thing attackers, and quickly from that, pass the ball straight up to keep the game moving. Yeah. And we saw what happened when Fabinho was not in that midfield. We lacked... It was, there was something missing, of course. We lacked was, that uh, extra protection in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, we exactly. lacked that kind of extra, like... Because I guess you have Thiago there, but you, if you don't have if you don't have that Fabinho type player to to compliment him, like if you if you watch the Bayern run up to the Champions League, Thiago was their was their focal point going up. He made that passes to to what's it called Alfonso, and he made them passes to whoever's playing right back, either was Kimmich or whoever it would would have been. But you can't have that. You can't have Thiago without like. Kimmich, who may have played at centre mid or whoever, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Who was there? You can't have Thiago without a player that will help recover. You can't have yeah, Thiago. Sure. We can't play Thiago in a midfield or we don't have Fabinho, in my opinion. And we don't have a defender that has that type of IQ, that ability to spot where counters about to happen and immediately, you know, attack yeah. it from that point. So that's why I feel as much as uh, Phillips isn't the best defender because I, I do feel like he could have done better on that first Vinicius goal. When he switched across Vinicius like that, he left that gap easily for him to to go through yeah. go and, go through and score. Whereas I feel like if he stayed on his right-hand side, because I mean, Kabak was on the side. Mm. I mean, there, there wasn't a problem really. 
But if he stayed on this side, there was a possibility we could have avoided a goal there. But other than that, Phillips has been solid. I mean, it's not like he's made any high-profile mistakes or, you know, he's he's been very solid for us. So I really do think Phillips, he should start. Phillips, for me, right, honestly, I feel like, I don't know, is it, I've seen stuff like he's running out of contract, so... I don't know. Whatever happens to the transfer window, if we don't happen to go for Kanate, then Phillips must stay. If we end up do getting Kanate, then I feel like we can't say goodbye to Phillips because he's done his job. And as a player, he won't start for Liverpool, really, unless we have another injury crisis like this. So I feel like as a player, he should he should probably move on if we manage to, you know, get... If we, manage to, if, if we do end up signing Kabak on a permanent and we do end up signing maybe a Kanate, then, you know, I feel like Phillips must move on as a player. I love him to bits. He's been a cult hero. He's actually been amazing. He's he's done his job. You know, I can't really blame him. He's he's never really had a bad game. He's just been all-round solid. You know what I mean? He's maybe <laughs> made a, a couple here and there, but I mean, Van Dijk has too, so I'm not really asked. Do you know what I mean? As a guy who I didn't even think would play a game again this season, he's, he's honest. He's done his job, and I feel like, he has really helped us. Even even if we have still been losing, he's still, you know, stepped up a lot. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, he has. So, anyway, now that we've finished going over the Villa game and we've finished previewing the Real Madrid game, we are now going to go over, you know, a few of the other games happening in the Premier League. So, United versus, or was it Spurs versus United? Sorry, I need to get that the right way. 3 1 to United. Greenwood, man. What a player. What a player. What a player. Well, I mean, okay, I, I, I slowed the Greenwood a lot. But like, just for this game, you know, I had to be like, nah, honestly, that first, that first touch assist, that first touch <laughs> assist to into the box for Cavani. Oh my God. What a, what a, what a, what an assist. That was perfect. It was honestly one of the best, like just the technique, the 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 precision, the accuracy, just everything. It was just a, a brilliant. It was amazing. Weak foot, I think, too, for him. So yeah, it's oh god, no, it was I mean, crazy. Greenwood, I don't think Greenwood has a weak foot. Ah, <laughs> uh, he probably doesn't. You know, yeah. the guys both footed. Both yeah, feet are just as strong as the other. Mm. Yeah, that was so. Ah oh, man. So the uh, United are definitely getting top four. Then I, I think, I think, I think yeah, hundred percent. They, they're definitely getting top four. But Leicester, on the other hand, Leicester, they're bottling it. Leicester are doing just, bottling it again. You know, my thing is, I call it every single season. People say, "Oh, Leicester, second place." You know, mm. we do what? Like, nah, it's <laughs> not going to end like that. Brendan Rodgers has bozo in his DNA. He oh yeah, he does. He does. It, it it's just engraved in who mm. he is. So I mean, I mean, obviously, there's the conundrum with the injuries as well that does affect it all. But I mean, yeah. like I mean, if you are if you are bottling such a nice position every season, mm. I mean, even last season when he didn't have injuries too. So like, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So. Ah, man, but West Ham, on the other hand, they're actually playing some of the best football I've seen all season. Like, they've been playing better football than us. I don't know how, they, how we beat them. Honestly, they... they since, since Jesse Lingard <laughs> since Jesse Lingard has signed for West Ham, they have been one of the best teams in England. And that's not even, like, an exaggeration. Like, they genuinely have. 
They the football they've been playing, the results they've been getting, they've honestly been, you know, they've been they've been spectacular. Like they've genuinely been playing at a, a Champions League competing side. No, definitely, definitely. And honestly, if they ended up and if they did end up getting top four this season, then I'm sure I'm sure loads of West Ham fans can agree with me. Yeah, they won't care if they lose all six group stage games. Yeah. All they want to see is 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 Declan Rice running rings around Tony Cruz and whatever you know. and whatever midfielder they're playing, like or running rings around Red Star Belgrade and all that. They won't, they won't care about the results. They'll just be happy to even be in the Champions League. Like imagine people saying West Ham will get relegated this season, but like even I said, <laughs> look, I'll put a tweet now on screen, right, saying of a tweet that I made back in September, I said West Ham were gonna get relegated. I said West Ham were going down. I said West Ham were going down. Bro, they're fourth. They are fourth yeah. with seven games to go or eight games to go. Mm-hmm. They are they are amazing. And Jesse Lingard is He's, he's, he's very crucial to that team. Cold he, has, he has been so, so important for them, honestly. He has had a bigger impact than Bruno has had on Man United, in my opinion. Like, I'm not, that's not even an exaggeration. Like, I genuinely think in the, in the short time that Lingard's been at West Ham, he's had more of an impact than Bruno has at United the whole season, the whole year that he's been there. Honestly, Lingard has been amazing. Two goals today. That goal he scored, the first one he scored, Oh my way! Mm-hmm. Half folly, killed it around a, a defender near, near post and everything. Oh God, he's he's, he, he's been he's been hiding for so long. Honestly, yeah. I, it pays me so much, man. Because as an ex United footballer and as a Liverpool fan, you don't want to see United players doing. You know, you don't want to see any ex United player doing well after they leave. You want to see them doing crap. But Jesse Lingard, <laughs> I don't know what it is. This is all about just yeah. this all about football and like this all about being a football fan right now about watching Jesse Lingard. You just feel happy for him. Mm. I don't know what it is. I had surely that's not just me. Like I'm probably gonna get criticized by other Liverpool fans here, but there's just something about yeah. watching him right now. Like it just makes you feel just like you know. I, I mean, know. I put out a tweet the other day that was saying, you know, if there's one player that you know ties all the fans together. It's, you just can't hate him, Jesse Lingard. Mm. And I got some stick as well, uh, which is understandable from Liverpool fans because, I mean, he's the one stopping us from top four. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's ironic <laughs> as it is. Ironic <laughs> as it is, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's a thing of, like, I just I just enjoy that he's doing well for him. Yeah, you know? I, just, I just love, I just love, I love good football stories like this, you know what I mean? Mm. I love it. Like, bro, I'm, like, I probably shouldn't say this on a Liverpool podcast, but, do you remember that 1890 season with all the crazy comebacks and all that fucking yeah. whatever, yeah? PSG versus United, right? I'm watching the game on my iPad after coming out the shower. Rashford's just got on a pen. I'm on the phone to my mate who's a United fan. Well, I'm on Snapchat with them, yeah? I'm talking to him right now. If Rashford scores this, this will be one of the best things I think I've ever seen in recent time in football, right? And he scores, and then I'm just going crazy. I'm like, what, what have I actually witnessed? I've witnessed, like... Because obviously this was before the the, the Spurs come back against Ajax just before it was versus Barcelona and Aitken, you know what I mean? So I was like, what have I just witnessed? 2-0 in the first leg, two away goals, and they've come back to win 3-1. And it's like, I know it's United, but you just forget the teams. You just love stories like that, don't you? You just like... And this is why we love the sports. This is why we love football. And it might, uh, mm. again, of course it's United and it's like, oh, fucking United and all that, yeah. But it's that's why we love football. Stories like this, Lingard story like that. Forget the team or whatever. Just stories like this. Forget the whatever team it was. 
We just love we love stories like this, the, the, the comeback, the underdog, all these type stories. That's what we just love about football. So yeah, um that's that's all I think that's pretty much all I've got to say about the other league tables. Yeah, do you yeah. do you reckon that we could still get top four? I think it's definitely there. But when you've got a Chelsea team which is reformed under Tuchel, like oh my god, mm. you were amazing against Crystal Palace, bro. Javier's getting a goal and assist in, in 10 minutes. Oh, my days. It was incredible. He was just so good. The goal he scored, too. My word. I think it's a, is it like one loss in 15 games on the Tuchel. Mm. It's, it's insane numbers, the way he's been able to turn the club Pick around. Just like from what, exactly. From what what they were doing under Lampard to what they're doing now. But there is hope. There is, there is hope. They play City. Yes. Sometimes soon. They, so, I mean, West Ham, West Ham have still got to play Chelsea. West Ham and Chelsea have still got to play each other, which is a positive uh, for us because that means yeah. that means at least one of them is dropping points. And whether they both mm-hmm. drop two or one of them drops three will be very, very important for us. Yeah. Because they're yeah. the only, they're the only just... two teams that are above us that really care because United again, top four. City have won the league. Leicester, it depends because they're still like four points above us. It depends. If they lose their next game and we, we've got Leeds next, I don't know who we've got. I don't know who Leicester have got, but if we can beat, if we can beat Leeds and whatever happens in the Leicester game and we somehow go to one point clear, then they, you know, then there's two points, there's two top four positions up for grabs. Exactly. Uh, On know. paper, we have the easiest runner to the end of the season. Yeah. But, you know, but, yeah. what does that even mean? You never know. What does that <laughs> even mean nowadays? Yeah, exactly. Burnley, Burnley breaking our record. <laughs> oh, man. West Brom, who killed us for a draw. But I tell you, I nearly cried after oh, that I was like, I don't what even, bro, the actual fuck if I just oh man I don't even want to get into that game man and see it, it, it'll send me into just it'll send me into just some mad mental state of depression yeah. I, I hate it man so anyway but anyway yeah uh, thank you for listening thank you for tuning into yes, the first you. ever episode of the Never Talk Alone podcast I have been Greg and Dinga uh, uh, my Twitter handle is at local LFC Oh, uh, just to go LFC. <laughs> yeah, go follow yeah, us. I think make you'll sure... just put them. Yeah, I'll, 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 if, you see, yeah. if you're watching on YouTube, I'll put them underneath our underneath our uh, screens now. Make sure you go follow us with notifications so you never miss an insightful tweet. And yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, in a bit, la.